You're listening to the Love Your Neighbor Podcast. Welcome uh, to Link's Podcast. This is the Love Your Neighbor Podcast, and uh, we have a Brandon neighbor, friend, uh, Skylar Early Stone Arrow is with us. Skylar, welcome to Thank Link's you. Podcast, man. Thank you. Yeah. It's good to have you. This is, uh, we bumped into each other a couple weeks ago, but you've not been uh, back home for a couple, couple months now? Yep. I got home in the uh, middle of November. Talk about you were deployed with the 1742nd. South Dakota National Guard to the uh, southern border. Yep. Uh, yep. Thank you for your service. Uh, I appreciate you and uh, all of your your fellow soldiers uh, that were deployed there protecting our country. Thank you for that. And on behalf of everybody that's listening, thank you for your service. Thank you. And uh, what was what was that like? You were you're you're a husband and a, a dad. You were yep. You were gone for yeah, it was a uh, thirteen months that we were gone. Uh, kind of came quickly. It was, uh, we got the phone call and three months later we were gone. So everything kind of had to, had to happen quickly. Um, I made the mistake of telling my wife immediately who was at work. So, uh, that's a life lesson for me is wait till she gets home. So then she doesn't have to go through the rest of her day worrying about that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience for sure to go down there. Uh, I've been kind of all over the world thanks to the army. And uh, it's kind of weird being so far away, but yet still home mm-hmm. um, and seeing the diversity that was coming over. Mm-hmm. Um, we had just a little bit of the border mm-hmm. and basically we we were under what's called Title 10 orders, so we couldn't do law enforcement activities. It's actually illegal for us to do law enforcement activities unless granted by the Pentagon. Um, so we were just observing report, observing report. Oh wow! So that was what we did for thirteen months: is watch them okay. climb the wall, come over, and tell CV, uh, border patrol about them. So you're really out there, kind of as a a recon function of just taking taking notes and observing. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Um, is that, I mean, now tell us a little bit about your military, your other military, your military service. What's that been like? You said you've been all over the world. I, I, yep. Um, so we've been with a transportation company. We do a lot of driving, uh, been all over the United States actually did a long haul right when COVID happened. So when everything's shutting down, we were driving around the country, almost got shut down mid drive without a way home. Uh, fortunately, our leadership kind of fought that and said, we're coming home. Um, but I've been to uh, uh, the Middle East. I've been to Afghanistan, and uh, Kyrgyzstan, Romania. I've been to uh, Ireland, Germany, uh, Belgium, and Canada. Dude, you don't look old enough to be able to have been all those places. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot of them. Uh, I'm starting to look my age. I've always looked a little younger than I actually am, but I'm starting to finally hit that spot where I'm starting to look a little older. Finally, um, I am 31. Okay, and uh, yeah, well, so, you're getting you're getting up there. I'm starting yeah. to. Yeah, I, I found about six gray hairs in my brush <laughs> a couple weeks ago. So I'm 
Yeah. I'm right on your right on your heels. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got a ways. You you won't catch up with me. <laughs> this guy. That's that's awesome. But uh, yeah. So you. Uh, so is that right out of high school? Then you joined. I was still in high school. Okay. Yep. I uh, joined when I was 17 years old. Uh, asked my mom. I said, "Hey, I really want to do this. Can you sign the permission slip?" She goes, "Well, it's either now or you're going to do it next year. So I might as well just do it now." Hmm. So uh, I joined too late in the summer to go to basic training. So I have. You can go to basic training between junior and senior year, mm-hmm. then go back for your senior year, and then the next summer you go to your advanced training. Well, I didn't list it too late because I turned 17 too late, so I just put on a delayed entry for almost a year. So I went to drills, it was called uh, the Recruit Sustainment Program, just like a little pre-basic training is what I consider okay. it, drill yeah. every month. Uh, go and do a lot of push-ups. Then you learn like the ranks and the the songs and creeds and all that stuff. So it really helps you before you get to basic training. So you know the guys are staying up till midnight trying sure. to cram this information in. Gotcha. I'm, I'm good to go because I've been out for so in. long. So so growing up, you mentioned high school. Then where where was that you went to high school before you before you ended up in Brandon? I uh, went to Flandreau High School. Okay. So yeah, I grew up in Flandreau pretty much my whole life. I went to Sioux Falls for a couple of years. Uh, Harrisburg, my sophomore year, but other than that, it was all in Flandreau. Yeah, yeah. And so you you moved to you you're you're employed currently. Uh, you work for the Minnehaha County Sheriff's Department, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. And you're a patrol officer. Yep. You work. Uh, what kind of hours? What's that like? I mean, in, you're in the military, law enforcement. I mean, tell us a little bit about the uh, a week in the life of. What's your what's your rank? What do you in the county sheriff's? You're uh, I'm just a deputy. Deputy sheriff. Yep. Okay. Yep. What, what's the weekend like of deputy sheriff? You know, it's the the fun part of that job is there isn't a typical day. Huh. Um. So I did my entire career so far on nights. This year is the first year I've been on days. Okay. Um. Because the wife told me I'm going to days. So <laughs> before that, it was always nights, and that's what I loved. I loved working night shift. Because that's when the fun happens. That's when you play the cat and mouse games. Um, mm. People are out usually at that time of night doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing, trying to get away from you. You're trying to catch them. Whereas day shift, it's you know my my neighbor shoveling part of my lawn and I don't like it kind of thing. Sure. Gotcha. Um, so there's a there's a there's a lot of different um, avenues that you have to go on on days. Um, but there's a lot more. You have more time to do. Go and serve like civil papers as a sheriff's office. We're the ones that serve civil papers, um, and we can go into Sioux Falls and try to find warrant sub, uh, subjects and that kind of thing. So you have more time to do those things, yeah. and you're you know in normal walking people hours. So yeah. how how many hours of your shift? Do you, I mean, what how many hours do you spend in your car driving around Minnehaha County? On a slow day, the entire shift we work twelve hour shifts. If there's nothing going on, sometimes I just get out to get out. Okay. Um, but then there's times where you're out for hours at a time on even a single call, or you do a call, mm-hmm. hop in your car, and immediately you're going to another one. So it just depends on if it's a full moon or not, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I want to talk. We're gonna talk about that a little bit, but I I just have to, you know, you, a lot a lot of the folks that I get to meet on the Links podcast, I'm meeting for the first time, and I've had the privilege of meeting you. Uh, we got to get to share a meal together because we had a we have we had a mutual friend, and then interestingly enough, your brother was in my third grade class 
way back in the day when I first taught. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the reason that's significant is because um, almost two years ago, I was driving down uh, 229 uh, right underneath the 6th Street overpass. And as I was you know, coming out of Brandon and I turned, uh, turned on to the interstate, um, it was going up that, you know, that hill, you know, before 12th and there's that bridge on sixth street with no, you know, no exit. And, uh, as I was cresting the hill, I could see that there was someone, uh, on the fence and, uh, wasn't sure exactly what was happening, but I noticed there was a lot of people surrounding this person. And as I drove under the bridge, I saw a person that was hanging suspended from the bridge over the interstate. And, uh, I'm all by myself. I'm going to a, a, one of my kids' activities, and I drove underneath this person who was literally hanging over the road. And, uh, I mean, you don't see that every day. And uh, it was an active situation. Obviously, a lot of things were going on. I noticed there was a lot of people there, uh, and I just drove th- through that, and I, of course, checked you know the papers the next day to get more information. I did not even think about stopping. Um, and I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. And then about two weeks later, uh, my student, uh, he and I are friends on social media. He posted your picture and say, way to go, bro. I'm so proud of you. And your name was on there uh, for being a part and receiving an award. I don't remember the name of the. What was the name of the award that you received? Uh, it was a life-saving award life-saving award you were there and as i drove underneath her you were literally holding that uh young lady uh from from jumping and uh when i put connected the dots i reached out to billy and we uh made the connection and um i was just blown away by the story and of course your your role in that um would you tell would you kind of share with uh with our listeners how that day went, because you weren't working that day. No. That was an off day for you. Well, I was working that day, but it was the night shift. Okay. So um, I was coming into town to go to grand jury. Um, so I just drive in, give a testimony for a couple minutes, and I go home, get a little bit more sleep, and then I go in for my shift. Um, so I'm driving down on six streaks. That's just my way I go to work. And uh, I was coming down that hill towards Cleveland, I saw a bunch of cars parked on the side of the road. I was like, oh, must be an accident going on. Glad I'm not working. And uh, as I kind of got, I slowed down a little bit because I wanted to make sure no one tried darting through. And I kind of looked over and I was like, there's a lot of people right there on the fence line. So I kind of got right next to them and I saw there was somebody on the other side of that fence line. It's like, oh, that's not good. They got enough people. They don't need me. I need to go to grand jury anyway. For some reason, I said, yep. What's, what's an extra set of hands going to hurt? I'll just see if they need something. If they don't, I'll head to grand jury. So I stopped thinking they had the situation under control and got out. And uh, there was one person actively cutting the fence with the pliers. Just one click at a time. Trying to do what he could. Um, everyone else was just standing there talking to her, trying to not get her to jump. Um, so nothing was actually being accomplished yet. Um, one guy said... Uh, uh, hey, I have a ratchet strap. I'm going to grab it. So he went to his truck, grabbed a ratchet strap, came back, and by the end, there's 
just a little bitty hole about that big in the fence. And he put the ratchet strap through that hole and tried to like swing it across her body. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, two of us on the other side, but our hands were too big to fit through the, the fence, so we couldn't mm-hmm. grab it. So then we were trying to think of how to get this ratchet strap around her. And I happened to look down, and I noticed that the fence wasn't like connected to the ground. So I just grabbed to test it, and I, I was able to move the bottom of the fence. The other guy saw that, grabbed, and just yanked it up. And I was able to reach under there, and as he swung that ratchet strap, I was able to grab it and feed it through the link. Mm-hmm. So then we were able to grab that. So then I grabbed both sides of the ratchet strap and just kind of leaned back a little bit. And then I had one guy on this side of me that was helping with this side, and one guy on this side helping with that side. So I had three people holding this ratchet strap. And at the time, she was still sitting on the on the cement part of the, of the bridge. So we didn't have a lot of weight on it, but we had just enough. And uh, while we're doing that, that guy just kept cutting the fence, just cutting the fence. And there was uh, a bunch of women there who were talking to her, trying to, de- de- uh, trying to de-escalate the situation, right? right. right? Was she was she pretty coherent, or was she was she upset, or what was her? She was in hysteria. She was crying, screaming. She don't want to be there anymore. Um, the the women that are on my side of the fence just kept telling her, you know, it's not worth it. Don't do it. This and that. And uh, at this point, Sioux Falls PD hadn't arrived yet, so they were still coming. I could hear um, sirens in the background. Um, so we were. The only thing I was thinking of really was my hands are cold. It was a cold day out there. Yeah. And I didn't have gloves on. I was like, oh man, my hands are cold, but I can't let go because if I do, then she's not, she's not going to worry about being cold if she falls. Mm-hmm. So me and the three guys just kept holding on to that. And that one guy just kept cutting the fence, just kept cutting the fence. And then uh, Sioux Falls PD arrived and they actually brought bolt cutters. Mm-hmm. So then they just started slamming those links, trying to, to get that thing opened up. And uh, I don't know if she heard that or if she just decided now was her time, but then she left. And we felt her weight shift, so we just pulled with all of her weight. All three of us just leaned back mm-hmm. as hard as we could, and we basically pinned her to the bridge. So there's nothing under her. She was just the ratchet strap pulling her um, towards the bridge. And uh, Sioux Falls PD said that, and they said, we need to get her now. So they just grabbed the fence. They basically just ripped it. Mm-hmm. And then two of them grabbed her and just ripped her through the hole they made. And uh, I looked at one of them because I knew him from, uh, I think it was Academy. He was one of the instructors mm-hmm. at Academy for like an adjunct instructor. And they had had her on the other side. I was like, hey, I have to go to, uh, I have to go to grand jury. Let me know if I, if, if you need something. And then I left. So did he get a hold of you later with a result, or did he follow up with you at all? No, or? they didn't need any follow-up from me. The uh, follow-up I had was um, I went home, and then excited, I actually called the uh, state attorney on my way. I said, hey, I'm going to be late. Mm-hmm. There was a jumper off the bridge. I was I stopped to try and help. I'm on my way. He said, okay, no problem. And then I went to work that night, and uh, my sergeant held me back. After shift brief, let the other guys go. He goes, hey, I want to talk to you. So, okay. Mm-hmm. I hadn't told anybody about this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, so what happened today? What do you mean? I went to grand jury. Mm-hmm. Well, he was, he's with somebody on the Sioux Falls PD. He goes, she was there. She saw you. She told me. I know. Mm-hmm. I like, oh. So then I kind of told him the story. 
And then he's actually the one that's responsible for me getting the award because he's then passing up the chain of command. Um, you know, Skylar was here on this incident. Didn't even tell anybody about it. I just yeah. happened to know about it because Sioux Falls PD. So, well, I, uh, I, I can't tell you what what a moment that was for me. And and as I've come to know the story, it's it's one of those stories of a lot of things are happening. But the the thing I think is relevant to you know our listeners today is um, everybody's got something going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have kids, I have kids, and and it's it can be a difficult world. And this this girl, she was she was young, and uh, and to have people there that cared enough, not only you but the others and the and the and the, the women that were there to to talk with her and the police department and. And, and that community of people that came around her in that moment and uh, allowed her to have, you know, some better days. And um, it it absolutely wrecked me uh, for several months. And uh, I just want to thank you for your service uh, personally. And and because uh, and we all have stories, you know, we all have stories. You have a story too. And uh I just really, I really admire you and I admire your courage and uh, you're just a, a guy that I, I think, when I think of Brandon, I think of, I think of you, Skylar. You, uh, not a lot of people <laughs> probably know you, but the people that do can, can really appreciate who you are and your character and um, you're, you're, you're in the military and you've got a, you've got a ponytail. Yep. We need to hear that story too, because that's not normal. Right. It sure isn't. So uh, about my 10 year, so I've been in the guard for 14 years and I around my, I was approaching my 10 year mark and said, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get out. I've done my time. I've, I've done my deployment. I'm ready to get out. And then we kind of started crunching numbers and well, it's good health insurance. It's a lot of money we're losing out on. All right, I'll stay in. So I went to my right in the uh, sergeant and said, hey, I want to reenlist, but I have one condition. I said, okay, what's that? I said, I want to start growing my hair out. Because at that time, that's when religious accommodations started becoming a thing. We started seeing uh, six wear turbans and beards and stuff like that. I said, I want to try to do that. He said, you got my full support. So I signed my reenlistment papers and I started the uh, religious accommodation process. And in order to do that, I have to write a letter to my commander saying, this is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. Hard part is usually they need some kind of like proof. So I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke at them. Mm-hmm. Well, my culture is mostly oral tradition. So we don't have textbooks dating back to, you know, 1754. It's all of the stories that we've been told, uh, stories we've been told growing up, the stories I'm still hearing today. So I reached out to uh, one of my buddies back home and said, hey, is there anything you can do to help me with this? He said, let me make, let me make a phone call. So he reached out to the uh, Historic Preservation Society, and they wrote me a two-page recommendation. And this is what our culture believes in. I believe he should be able to do it. So we sent it in and uh, sent it up to the – I got my command's approval. They sent it up to the state, and the state sent it off to the Pentagon, the National Guard Bureau. And uh, that was, I want to say, 
March timeframe. And then, uh, so when I was in, when I was cutting my hair, I was always cutting it on Thursday, right before drill. That way I'm not waiting to the last minute on Friday, but I'm also making sure I'm going to be in regulation. There's no way I'm going to be out of regulation if I get a cut two days prior. Mm-hmm. So it was a Wednesday night and my commander calls me, he goes, Hey, congratulations. Your accommodation has been approved. Wow. That was, that was pretty <laughs> close. So I started growing my hair out and it was, I don't know if you've ever grown your hair out, but there's an awkward stage between short hair and what I have. Yeah. And I can't put it in a ponytail. It just looks like a complete mess. So yeah. there was, there was a few months where I had to get through that. And yeah. it was like, come on, man. Forget a haircut? Yes, I forgot a haircut. Well, you got to buy different shampoos and stuff. We and go through so much shampoo yeah. conditioner now. <laughs> <laughs> Our poor drains, because I have long hair. My wife has long hair. Okay. My daughters have long hair. My youngest son has long hair. Like, there's just a lot of hair for those drains right now. <laughs> uh, well, I, talk about your talk about your culture and and, and talk about it, because it's more than just a fashion statement. I mm-hmm. mean, there's deep spiritual, there's deep relational family meaning to that talk, talk about what that is you you do a beautiful job of articulating that so the way i've been taught was that our hair is is our identity when we're when we're born nothing that we have is ours the only thing that we have that's ours is our body and our hair everything else the clothes that we wear the food that we eat the house that i live in it's all a gift uh, the spirits give us gifts and we thank them and try to do what we can to show our appreciation for that. But our hair is the only thing that we have. Um, so it, as it grows, it grows longer, longer towards the ground to connect us back with, with our, with our roots. It's a symbol of our, our strength and our unity. You know, hair itself is weak, but you, you braid it together. It becomes a pretty, pretty mm-hmm. strong, strong bond showing, you know, the tribe, we have to work together to, to survive. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say that as we grow as we grow and time goes on, our memories get intertwined with our hair. So then when a loved one that means a lot to us passes away, we'll cut our hair and we'll bury it with them. So they can go to the next journey with our memories until. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, most families, all families have a little bit of a different belief. Every tribe has a different belief. That's just mm-hmm. from my yeah. my family. Who, who was it that passed that on to you? Was it was it your mother? Who was it that passed on those? So I actually didn't grow up with the culture. Um, I grew up mm-hmm. in Flandreau, and my friends were you know knew the culture, but I didn't. Um, I was raised by a, a single my single mom who was um, white, just on the reservation, so she didn't really know the the culture. Um, I kind of had a little bit of an idea for my friends growing up, but it wasn't until. Uh, I reconnected with my uncle who was in California. He's the one that really kind of took me under a little bit. This is our family's teachings, did some ceremonies, showed me what to do. And uh, unfortunately, me and that uncle had a falling out some some years ago, so I haven't spoken to him for a while. But in the meantime, some of those friends from back home, I've reached out to, um, and they've really kind of taught me a lot. And some other ceremonies I've been to, uh, we do this thing weekly with uh, some of the guys down there. We'll just get on Zoom and talk, and mm. well, he talks, I listen. Okay, and uh, that's kind of where us, where a lot of my stuff comes from. We'll just mm-hmm. you know call each other. So he'll give me some stories, some teachings, and that's kind of where I'm where I'm at right now because I need 
I need that knowledge to pass on to my children. So are, and I'm a little bit familiar with some, you know, and there's variations, but so are you in the process of, of becoming um, an elder or a spiritual leader in your, in your culture? Nope. Um, So anybody who says they're becoming a spiritual leader, those are the ones you need to watch out for. Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've, what um seen in the news uh i believe his name was nathan chasing his horse something along those lines he was one of those spiritual leaders and he's been arrested in nevada for um sex abuse crimes mm-hmm. basically starting a cult um if you see people saying you know i'm a medicine man mm-hmm. give me a hundred dollars you can come into my sweat lodge those are the kinds of people that you need to stay away from um because there's there's more than just our our culture and our belief, and we're aware of that, mm-hmm. and other people can try to infiltrate us and try to harm us spiritually, so we we have that understanding that we need to be careful of who we talk to mm-hmm. um, like I said, any self proclaimed spiritual leader or medicine man is probably somebody that you don't want to be hanging around mm-hmm. with. Um, we know who our actual spiritual leaders are and they don't go around bragging about it. Sure. They don't go around with all their stuff in their backseat so you see it. Right. Um, I am not even close to being an elder or a spiritual leader of any sort. I'm just uh, I'm just a common man. Ikche mm-hmm. Wachasha. Say, say that again. Ikche Wachasha. It's uh, Ikche Wachasha. Ikche. It's like Ikche Wachasha. There's, so in our language, there's no literal translations everything has a okay. deeper meaning um so when i say that that's trying my best to roughly translate it's, it's the common man it's okay. just your everyday individual mm-hmm. that's how i have always seen myself yeah. that's the uh that's the trait of of humility and uh the attitude of of giving others priority over yourself and uh that value, you know, crosses, you know, our spiritual traditions. Mm -hmm. And I see that in you, uh, our tradition that we have in in a Christian tradition says that no greater love has any man than he would give his life for a friend. And, uh, you know, when I, when I read scripture, I've, I've, our scriptures are, you know, um, very, very broadly available in many cases, similar to you, they get misused sometimes. But um, the First Nations version of the Bible that I've I've come to know is, is such a cool way of taking the scriptures, Christian scriptures, and placing them in native spiritual terms. And um, I've I've appreciated that because there's so many things when I see your your life, and we would call that a testimony. A testimony is just what you you would do in court, right? Right. Uh, but there's people all around us every day that are watching and making judgments based on our actions. And uh, you know, all I know, all I know you by Skylar is what you've done. <laughs> and uh, I'm just really proud to say that I know you, and we're neighbors in Brandon. And uh, just want to wish you the best, and thank you for coming on and just sharing beautifully from your experience and uh, and your story. And you're you're a hero, man. You're a Say that again. Ikje Wachasha. Ikje Wachacha. Ikje. Ikje. Wichasha. Wichasha. Yeah. 
That's what you are, man. And I appreciate you uh, you being here and sharing your story. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing me on and having a little chat with me. Absolutely. We'll, ha- we're gonna, we'll have to have you back again sometime, okay? Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us on the Love Your Neighbor podcast. The purpose of the Love Your Neighbor podcast is to build community one conversation at a time. You can help us build that community by sharing the podcast on your social media channels and rating our podcast on whatever platform you're listening from. Another way is to let us know of any neighbors who have a story. Go Leaks! Go Leaks!